Serial Entrepreneur. Hello and welcome back to Startup Magazine's podcast, The Serial Entrepreneur. You are listening to your host, Anna Flockett, and today I'm joined by the wonderful Adam Ewart, CEO and founder of Send My Bag, an international luggage delivery service. And obviously, as an international luggage delivery service, Send My Bag has been heavily impacted by coronavirus. At the start of the outbreak, it saw its highest ever daily revenue and received huge spikes in demand across various routes worldwide as travel restrictions had been imposed. Adam, first of all, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome and how are you? I'm doing good, thanks, as, as well as you can be for having been locked in your house for weeks on end. Of course, of course. It's all getting used to it, isn't it? Well, it's amazing to have you on here. And I thought maybe to start with, we could just tell the listeners a little bit more about you guys, Send My Bag, what you do and where the idea came from. Certainly. So Send My Bag is a luggage delivery company. We started over 10 years ago whenever my girlfriend got charged some excess baggage fees at the airport. I was running another business at the time and thought, my goodness, I, I send stuff around the world for a lot less than what EasyJet are trying to charge me for a couple of kilos excess baggage. So set up the business off the back of that. We started helping a lot of students move around the UK that had the same problems. We then, as airlines, really started to change how they charge customers. And as airlines started to charge more and more for these ancillary fees, as we call them, so things like seat assignment, baggage, and so on. So baggage fees started going up and up. Customers really started sending us, oh, actually, could I use you for my holiday to Spain or could I use you if I'm relocating to America and so on. So we started helping customers in other countries. And then over the last five or so years, we have set up in America and Australia and so on. And we won the Queen's Award for Enterprise there for having orders that year in about 200 different countries around the world. So we operate worldwide now across thousands of routes. And while we really started as a a baggage shipping company, we are now almost more of a short to medium term relocation company. So if you're somebody who's going to study a semester abroad or if you're working in Hong Kong or even if you're moving for longer, we do right through the whole gambit of people from somebody going on a weekend away right through to these much larger moves as well and everything in between. Really anybody who needs to go somewhere with stuff that they previously may have said, that's too much for me to carry and they would leave it behind or that's too expensive to pay the airlines. We're the solution for everybody stuck in that gap. Oh, amazing. It's obviously great to hear that you don't have to pay EasyJet all that money if you don't want to. But could you talk me through the process? How does it work? Would I like log on and order it through you guys and then you come and collect it? Or you, you tell me. Yeah, so the service is entirely door-to-door. So you would go onto the website. You can book same day in a lot of postcodes and in a lot of countries. And in those ones that we don't offer same day, it's next day. And you just come onto the website, you'll print out a label. If you don't have a printer, and actually a lot of people at the minute don't have access to printers because libraries are closed and so on, we offer a service where we'll post labels out to you. If you're getting labels sent out to you, or if you've got a few days before the bag's being collected, even if you're not printing our labels, we'll send you out special send my bag luggage tags, these plastic holders that go onto the outside of your suitcase to make sure the tags don't fall off. You hand it over to the driver and away it goes. And we work with the major logistics networks all around the world. So we don't have our own fleet of vans or planes or anything like that. We utilize the networks that are out there and we essentially bring them business that they can't access directly. And 
nor is it business that they would want to access directly because most of them are set up to deal with other businesses rather than with individual members of the public. So we kind of metaphorically wrap what would be seen as messy business to the large logistics networks and we make it look neat and tidy for them and they then give us access to their networks for that. Oh, cool. And you touched on it slightly, but what technology do you use and how does the tech process work? So when we go right back to the very first semi-bag website, it was about the least technological thing that you could come up with. So I had the idea at the sort of baggage queue that day, I jotted down an idea and the name on the plane on the way home. When I got home, I did look to see if there was anybody else doing it and there, and there wasn't. So that was fine. I thought, right, how am I going to create a website of some sort here? And I basically made a contact us page, but instead of it being, what's your name, what's your message? It was, what's your name, what's the first line of your address and so on. And it was all very manual. And that, that was great to get the business up and running, prove the concept without spending a lot of money. But something that we have really, really obsessed over now over the years is just automation and integration. We automate everything we can. We integrate with every system, external system that we use that we can and it's really just all about delivering the absolute best service for our customers. So in the first instance, we will just throw time at it. So when we needed Australian stuff checked in the middle of the night, we just got somebody to work in the middle of the night doing that. And we are open 24 hours a day still, but we would have certain tasks done manually and other people potentially in other businesses or in the sector would not consider that task worthy of doing, but we would do it and put the time into it to make our service the best. But it's not viable then to long term do they, these manual tasks necessarily when you're handling hundreds of thousands of shipments each year. So we would automate them. So we have a team of developers. We've had developers working for the business for five plus years now in-house and we just are constantly tweaking things, making differences, whether we're, it's customer service systems, whether it's systems with regard to the processing of the actual orders themselves or whatever it may be. We just automate and integrate constantly. Oh, wow. Would you say it's kind of fair that, you know, the automation process and you guys being automated kind of helped your efficiency and helped you grow over the past so many years? Definitely. So we were quick to invest time in things, but it's really important to be efficient as well, especially if you believe that the business has got a a potential for a large growth curve. If you aren't operating efficiently, this is where everything could just get away from you and your costs could shoot through the roof. So really putting the effort into the dev. It was about where we're getting to. And so that's something that we have just continued and we have, we have just started another large development project right now that has work mapped out for the next 21 months. So we have a lot of more that we want to do. Oh, wow. It sounds all really exciting. And you kind of mentioned this in your first story, but tell me a little bit about you and your background. What did you kind of do prior to founding Send My Bag? I have never worked for anybody else, so I have no experience. Well, I have had a part-time job, I should say. I've never had a, a full-time 40-hour-a-week type job. So I am somebody that has always just been trying to buy things and sell things. And whether it was to be the person on the street that made the most money in their Blue Peter sale in the garage or whatever else it may be, I've always been doing that. So when I actually applied for my first part-time job, I remember thinking that the process wasn't very good. And I thought, well, why, do, why do you go to the job center and do this? Why doesn't the guy that runs 
the local shop click into a website where he can see all the 16 year olds that are looking for jobs and bulk invite them to interview so i tried to create a website called fillajob.com but then it turned out that i had no sort of software development skills whatsoever so that didn't go very well then as i was applying to uni i thought oh there's not much on the go for university students online maybe i'll, I'll try and develop something there and other things had started to be developed around the time and I was just really playing around with it now. I didn't see an opportunity there in the end and I was just buying and selling stuff and I was going to the auctions and just buy stuff and I started buying a lot of boxes of old LPs and I'd go through the LPs and find ones that had maybe picture discs or posters or stickers and then sell them online that go off to Japan and so on to collectors. So I ended up with, you know, 40 copies of Abba Gold in my dad's garage that, that nobody wanted. So you would buy a box and maybe get one or, or nothing out of it. And there was all this kind of stuff going on. And around that time, I came across an opportunity. I can't quite remember exactly how now, but I'm just buying and selling stuff. And there was a conductor in London that had bought out the contents of a sheet music store that had went bankrupt. And I think it was his friend that ran the store. And he maybe, as a goodwill thing for him, had given him a few quid for a couple of thousand music books. I then bought these music books from this fella for about 500 quid and I started selling them and I was selling online and I thought, you know, there's, there's not really a, an online music store at this point. This is going back maybe 15 years ago and I had missed the whole dot-com boom thing. You know, I was, I was still younger at school when that was going on. So I kind of missed the opportunity with a lot of these other wee things I was tinkering with. Other people had got out there and done them. But with the music store idea, because there wasn't really chains of music stores they were more individually owned there hadn't been there was some online but there wasn't the big chain store online so i thought rather than just selling these books and then ending up with some money and nothing to show for it i'll maybe try to start a, a shop online so i started putting the books online in the shop sold the books for about 10 grand so that gave me money to buy some accessories i started selling those i remember one of the distributors or a couple of them wouldn't sell to me because i didn't have a physical shop they wouldn't sell to people that were only selling online so a fella actually who many years before that had been the one that I went to for the, the Blue Peter Sales Suites that had the corner shops. He let us pretend that his shop was a music shop, sort of we faked it out a little bit and I got a couple of the contracts with some of the distributors. Then once I started selling some of their products, I worked out where some of it was made in America and started getting them made directly. Then I wanted to go into selling musical instruments, started selling instruments but again another big distributor they would sell to me but they would only sell to me at less than what my competition was retailing the instruments for so dead end there but ultimately long story short found out where they were where their factory was in china got in touch with the factory went to china they then started making our own brand instruments so we expanded into selling our own brands of saxophones clarinets we launched a big range of colored violins ended up doing lots of campaigns around the, the country with schools and so on to try and get kids to learn violin off the back of these coloured violins. So we were selling, you know, thousands of musical instruments a year. We had 2011, we'd put containers in the America for the first time and so on. And there was, it was fine. I had a music shop and we'd done music lessons at night, you know, because I thought, well, the music shop isn't doing anything at night. So how can we make use of it? So we launched a music school. And I was just constantly putting lots of effort and energy into doing all these different things. But ultimately, I couldn't help thinking that there's only so many violins you can sell in the year. There's only so many saxophones. It's very finite. And it was so much energy and so much effort. But it was never going to be a £100 million business. It just wasn't going to be possible in that industry. So I was always having my, my eye out for other things. And whenever I got trapped with the excess baggage... That day or paying the fees, noted down the idea of selling my bag. I'd recently, my 
music business had made some stuff for UB40 and I'm always looking for PR and so on and I'd phoned the local news team and said just want to and finally five minute story about you know lo- local young entrepreneur is selling stuff to UB40 and they're like oh yeah that's, that's great for five minutes on a, on a Friday night so they came down to do a story about that but we actually turned it into talking about send my bag and this new idea instead so that was a, a local advert for Send My Bag. And the original market there was students going from Northern Ireland to England anyway. So it was the perfect you know, place to, to launch it. And we then got some students using us in that September. So it had started the idea from the June, some students initially in the September, and then onwards and upwards from there. And then after a couple of years of that starting to, to grow sort of naturally, it became quite obvious that there was a much, much bigger opportunity with Send My Bag. So I started to wind down the music business and it's been really full throttle with Send My Bag for, for the last sort of seven or eight years now. Amazing. And it's like such an amazing, colourful background. It seems like you've kind of always been destined to be a founder of, of your own business. Do you think all your experience and all your background has kind of helped within your founder journey? Absolutely. Everything 100% compounds as you move along. So going way back to my music business and maybe even before that, I mean, I remember when Google AdWords, the, you know, started and I was paying 4p for a click and I've spent so much money over the years and done, I remember going on holidays one time and accidentally setting a bid to 30 pounds or something coming back to like a two grand bill, you know, years and years and years ago, all these kind of things, whether it's just haven't been through trial and error with with things or even there's even things now that I know we spent a lot of money on something for send my bag last year around fifty thousand dollars in a particular type of marketing in the states and it didn't really work but what I know from that now is I know when that type of marketing will work so it may work for something else that send my bag does in the future it may work for another business in the future so there's there's just a lot of that and I think there's so much it compounds and I don't want to sound like you know, a self-help book for people that are starting businesses saying just keep going, you know, failure makes you better and blah, blah, blah and all that. But I genuinely do think that as long as you have, you maintain the energy and you keep looking at what, at new ideas and you keep going and you really throw yourself into it, if it doesn't work, you will be better off next time because you've learnt everything there in the previous times. You just keep going and you will get there eventually. Yeah, it's a solid piece of advice. And I think a lot of people will need to hear that, especially in these kind of current climate right now. But before we I kind of move in to asking you about what you guys have been doing around the Corona crisis, one of my final questions about Send My Bag in general is what kind of challenges have you faced along the way? I'm sure there's probably been many since you've been going for it for quite a while. And, and how have they impacted you and how have you overcome them? As you say, there's been lots of challenges and they change as time goes by. To be perfectly honest with you, again, not sound like a, a self-help book for business people, but nothing really jumps to mind because whatever it is, you just get on with it. And there has been times where the whole business has nearly stopped for various reasons, but you just get on with it. And actually, where you push through, you always become stronger for it as well for example i remember in my previous business so around 2008 hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of stock in a fulfillment warehouse and when a lot of businesses were going bankrupt around that time that company that was holding our stock went into liquidation and i found out at four o'clock on the friday afternoon but by 5 a.m on the saturday morning i had trucks being filled up with all of our stock before the liquidators came but i had also done a deal with 
another warehouse for them to take all our business but for them to win that business i didn't tell them i told them well yes this warehouse has gone out of business and this but it's not our we're not in a difficult position it's your opportunity i can i have got it sorted that i can have this all sitting in the warehouse in northern ireland you know next week if i needed to but if you want the opportunity of taking this give us a great deal now and they give us a great deal and ultimately been on to work with them for years and we increased our margin because of it so there's been things like that that have happened in Send My Bag as well, whether with certain logistics partners around the world, perhaps we have thought, oh, that's terrible that we can no longer work with them for, for whatever reason. But actually, it's always ended up that we build a, a much better relationship with somebody else. And that's been true in, in, in lots of different areas. It's like the saying, isn't it? When one door closes, another door opens. It's obviously very kind of poignant right now for your story and obviously talking about challenges I assume the whole COVID-19 kind of landscape has been a challenge for you guys I, I believe it all kind of started massively spiking and then has it kind of slowed down now with people traveling a lot less what work have you guys been doing since the lockdown started and stuff yeah so the first challenge that we had was the business went through the roof and a Monday in March became our busiest day ever then the Tuesday overtook it then the Wednesday overtook it then the Thursday overtook it Meanwhile, we had a few people self-isolating and we weren't set up for people to work from home. So we had these two challenges coming at us at once, a massive amount of volume coming through the business and a customer service team that relies on being in the office and is no way set up to work remotely, that we wanted to get them working remotely for their own health and safety as well. So it was, it was a bit of a juggling act for a few days there, but we ordered up all the equipment that we needed. We moved to a new customer service phone system. So we had to launch a whole new phone system in the midst of this to handle calls that could go to people at home rather than on our sort of hardwired systems. And we were doing that while at the same time having to deal with this huge level of business. But everybody just got stuck in and got it got it done you know we've got a great team and we're open 24 hours a day seven days a week anyway so we have certain times of the day that maybe are a little bit quieter that we could utilize in certain ways and so on but there's no doubt that it was really really busy but it was essentially the team just when we're here to do this and just get it done so everybody just stepped up to it and and got it done and within about 10 days or so we had the, some people that were self-isolating back to working while self-isolating they weren't ill as such they were just doing the self-isolation and we also got everybody else located to working from home and since then it started to to calm down a little bit there was a massive spike whenever australia said you know australian citizens should return home whenever america was announcing its bans and so on so that spike has definitely tailed off now but it's still busy enough we're not handling our normal customers necessarily right now and that we would normally be starting to handle students moving home at the minute but they're already away home or people going on their summer holidays but you're not going on your summer holidays but we're just consistently helping people still return a trend that we've seen the last week actually is a lot of people returning to places like italy and spain so i think in the first instance, maybe some people returned to those countries, but actually not as many. I think a lot of people thought, do you know what? The situation in Italy was as such that I maybe would be better off staying wherever I'm living or working at the minute. Whereas yeah. with restrictions starting to lift, I, I just, I'm scrolling through dozens of orders going to Italy on Sunday there, for example. So just a lot of, lot of Italian folks now heading home. And then presumably as the weeks go on, we'll see it, it turning people go back 
to working and studying in, in the other countries. And we're also getting some sort of info at the minute where some customers seem to be using us where they maybe don't want to queue at the baggage carousel or they don't want the weight at the bag drop and so on. Some new customers to send my bag are using it because it gives them that quicker transit time through the airport. So it'll be quite interesting to see if that's something that just spikes up now or if long term we start to see people approaching their journey through the airport different in, in various different ways and see if that leads to change in, in some of our customer base. Definitely. And you guys obviously having to kind of adapt and pivot to the different customers that you've received in this time. And like you said, it's changed from the students to, to people traveling home and stuff. Has that been much work having to, to change and adapt in that way? The only difference that we've seen right now is we've probably received a lot more last minute orders. You know, under normal circumstances, you would be booking your plane tickets and your hotels and so on, probably weeks before you're traveling somewhere. Whereas I think over the last weeks, there's been a lot of instances of people taking decisions to move quite quickly. Or I was talking to one customer actually who had had eight flights cancelled. So they were desperately trying to get home from the United States to the UK and it was just being a complete nightmare for them. So they were having to keep chopping and changing their travel plans and so on. So we've had to be able to support customers who are new customers to us. And we're growing very, very quickly and consistently over the last lot of years. So we're we're used to dealing with new customers, but we did get a big influx of new customers. And then on top of that, if you're booking last minute, if you maybe don't have access to a printer and so on, there's just been a few things where we've needed to be able to, to help support people under these slightly different circumstances. But on the whole, it's it's gone very well. I actually read, read a review from a customer yesterday that said, we've had a few along these lines, that said, you've done a great job getting my bag home. Unfortunately, because my flight was cancelled, I'm still stuck so it'll be the next step will be trying to get people home. Yeah, that's the difficulty of a lot of sympathy for, for customers of ours. You know, we just receive a lot of stories from people talking to them on our social channels or just different information that they're giving us to do with customs clearances and so on. And there's definitely a lot of people still around the world trapped and, and trying to get trying to get home again. So at least we can take the the stuff off them and at least they're only having to be concerned with, with getting themselves on the plane rather than dragging lots of things with them. At least that's something. Yeah, definitely. And have you guys had to take any like um, measures in terms of the whole coronavirus and, you know, being like extra careful with handling people's stuff? Any extra measures put into place to, to keep you, your staff safe and the people working to move the, the luggage and stuff? In terms of our team in the office, everybody essentially is working from home. Anybody that has to get into the office for any reason now, we have got uh, that essentially it's one person per floor. Uh, not even per room and then we have hand sanitizers and all, all that kind of thing in the office so we're well set up there when you move outside of the office and you're looking at the drivers doing the collections and deliveries we don't operate the networks ourselves we work with logistics partners so there's different measures in place depending on which partner it is so for yeah. example sending within the united states might be slightly different than if we're sending something from the uk to germany but every partner we have spoken to and we have seen what their steps are and we've then been able to inform our customers about the various steps so there's things like d- delivery without signing for it the driver will set your bag down walk six you know press your doorbell walk six sort of seven steps back from your door and then you can give him permission to sign and there's various things like that all around the world so our partners have been very quick at adapting for this and there's other things going on within their networks 
which have had to be done, which we have helped them with where we can and in terms of not having drivers going back for deliveries you know if somebody's not in we've had a real drive to try and ensure first time deliveries as much as possible and that kind of thing just again to stop drivers being unnecessarily overly exposed to to getting in and out of their vans in the least amount during the day but on the whole the, the partners have all stepped up and, and done a really good job for us and for the customers oh amazing it's, it's really nice to hear and obviously you kind of gave some advice earlier to startup founders and, and in general, but do you have any ad- advice out there for other businesses that maybe have seen a huge increase in demand and have had to kind of like pivot and change their business slightly or had a different customer base, a bit like you guys have during this time? I think, I don't know if I have any sort of specific advice as such. It's more, I've seen businesses doing it and I think there's just a lot of really good people out there making quick decisions whether they are turning their their business into helping in the current crisis so for example I I still receive some emails from people off the back of my my music business and I saw a company that we used to buy drum skins from was now using their technology and I think even their drum skins to make face masks for people in the United States which is pretty pretty cool then I've seen lots of other businesses just adapt in different ways to to help support their business and their teams so there's a, a local restaurant that I like that just from Friday there has started doing takeaways. Well, it's, we're, we're sort of out in the country a bit here so it's more like we, we drive to them but they come out and put it in our put in your boot so that was cool and yeah I think it's just it's up to every every business owner and I recognize that if you're in certain industries that you know there's only so much that you can do you know if you have been told that your business has to be closed and you're a business that has no other way of pivoting or anything this is a once in a in a lifetime scenario that's probably not going to repeat itself but in normal day-to-day business life I think it's really important that when businesses can they they pivot and they do whatever they can and just trying to put their entrepreneurial energy in it and loads of businesses have done it now which I think is really cool definitely and like you just said obviously you kind of hope and think that especially in our lifetime we wouldn't go through something like this again do you as a founder and and of course as a team do you think about you know the future in the sense that this could happen again and kind of put like a future-proof plan in place in case anything weird or strange like this does happen again in our lifetime i kind of think of send my bag as the startup that's not a startup we have turned down offers of vc money at high valuations in years gone by really to instead focus on our own growth investing on our own growth and so on and and it's it's because my background isn't wanting to be a startup founder when i started that word and phrase probably didn't exist i just wanted to work for myself run my own business buy and sell stuff and just be self-sustainable so although sam my bag is seen as a as a travel tech startup and gets featured and so on as such we're also just a strong sme business and with my sme sort of just business owner hat on i always have a one eye on what if that fails what if that doesn't work what would happen and one of the reasons why I was able to say to our entire team in March two days before the jobs retention scheme was announced I was able to say to everybody even if we're going to be taking losses here over the next 12 weeks nobody is getting made redundant in in any way nobody has to worry and that's because 
I have a, a plan in place to deal with massive disruption. I would never have thought that we would be dealing with a worldwide virus pandemic as, as the massive disruption. It was massive disruption more to do with what if one of our major partners collapses several years ago. We didn't work with them at the time, but TNT, the large logistics network, very, very nearly collapsed after a cyber attack. So we've got various plans in place for these kind of problematic times. So I don't know if I would necessarily be doing anything in addition going forward because, because we have certain plans already, but it's, it certainly reinforces and makes you want to ensure that whatever your plans and your, and your budget and so on for such scenarios is, is robust enough. Yeah, definitely. And kind of adding on to that then, do you guys at Send My Bag have any plans for the future, long term probably after kind of Corona has settled down and you can go back to as normal as life can be? Absolutely. We have had strong double digit growth for many years now and that's not something that I plan to, to have change in any way and we will go back to serving our customers all around the world. We will seek to expand into into new territories as we have done over the last few years. We'll be looking at other ways in which we can help our existing customers and new customers by leveraging our international uh, logistics networks. You know, we're, we're probably the website anywhere in the world that has the most combinations of point-to-point uh, shipping. You know, you can go onto the Send My Bag website and send something from Malaysia to Iraq. Probably, I don't know if that. I know we send to Malaysia. I know we send to <laughs> Iraq. I don't. I don't know if I've had too many the last week going from Malaysia to Iraq. But the fact is that we do, We have the ability to offer these worldwide rates, and we help a lot of people around the world for all matter of reasons. And although Send My Bag has now been around for a number of years. I, I honestly feel that we're we're still just scratching the surface of, of what we can achieve with the business. So we'll do what we need to do to get through this and we'll come out the other side and I look forward to, to storming ahead. I look forward to watching this space and seeing what else you guys get up to. Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for joining me. And it's been really exciting to hear what you guys have been doing and what is planned for the future. Thanks very much. No, it's been great, uh, great speaking with you. Serial Entrepreneur.